Comment, bienvenue, welcome. This is the United Nations Sahara. I'm Mark and I'm joined by... Becky from the UK. Dia from Germany, willkommen. Uh, we were due to have Mike from uh, uh, America with us today, but unfortunately, uh, due to circumstances beyond his control, he, he wasn't able to join us. We are going to miss Mike. Uh, we ho- we- Mike will be back next week because next week is his pick. Demons uh, is something we're covering next week. And Mike, it's something Mike specifically picked. So, so we, we are the United Nations of Europe. We're United Nations of Europe this week, <laughs> but that's that's fine. No, no, we, we have feedback from Anthony from okay. the US, so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, we're still into that, uh, beyond the bounds of Europe, anyway. Um, okay, uh, let's uh, let's um, just get into uh, our usual what we've been watching section. Um, do you mind if I go first on this one? I've got uh, quite a, f- a long list, I think, compared to, to you two. So I'll, I'll go first. I watched a film from 1966, I think, or maybe 64, called The Naked Prey. It, is, is this one either of you have heard of? No. No, no, no. The title, it, the title, I, I stumbled about uh, across, but yeah, it's it's an odd title. It's um, it's a very odd film. It's I'm quite a fan of a specific subgenre, which is humans hunting humans. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great subgenre. Sort of it's come into the full recently with like the Hunger Games, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people were sort of more familiar with, or were already familiar with from things like Battle Royale uh, and before that, The Running Man. But it actually goes back to the 30s with the most dangerous game uh, and this one is a very odd one it's it's kind of a bit racist and it's it's not a film that, <laughs> that animal lovers would like it's set in africa basically white white hunters on a safari they uh, don't pay suitable tribute to an african tribe that the 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 guide the main guide of the uh the expedition suggests they really should but the guy in charge says no i'm not paying you know, some some sort of rabble turn up, you know, out of nowhere and expect some sort of uh, tribute. I'm not paying that. Uh, so what happens next is the tribe catch them, t- take them to the the uh, village and start sort of torturing them, stroke killing them in in various ingenious ways. For example, at one point uh, they they take the the main white hunters and their black sort of port bearers. Uh, and one guy they cover in clay and then they cook him uh, mm. <laughs> over a spit in the clay. Uh, another one they stick his head in this circle, which is ringed in fire on the ground, ringed in fire, and then they throw a poisonous snake into the ring. So mm. the only exit the poisonous snake's got on is, is his face. It, it, things like that, really, really <laughs> weird stuff. But <laughs> essentially, they leave they leave the safari, the head of the safari, not the head, the 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 main guy who knows what he's doing they kind of strip him naked and make him run and then uh, start releasing mem- you know the bucks of the tribe as it were to start hunting him down but he manages to get the best of the first one get his spear get some of his clothes and and and, and shoes or you know uh, sandals uh, and basically it's a chase movie and it could be a silent film for most of it apart mm-hmm. from the first 10 minutes there's no dialogue literally no dialogue it's all a guy being hunted and stuff like that but um it's kind of it's one of the it's a bit like tarzan it's a kind of a bit uncomfortable these days you see you know white man beating the <laughs> beating the black man in his own sort of environment where you know his tribe have lived for hundreds of years but because he's white he's kind of cleverer than you know it's that kind of vibe it's like okay um but there's also quite 
Sorry, go on. Any well-known actors in it? It's or? Cornell Wilde, who's not that famous. He's an American actor. He was. Um, he's been in fairly mainstream films. I can't remember any of them though. Mm. But he was like the director. But he also did quite a lot of independent films of his own production company. So he's fairly um, a go-getting kind of guy. The, he directed and acted in this, and he was like the main uh, guy that was on the run. Uh, but there's lots of um, sort of animal cruelty in it too. Um, mm. Uh, there's like it's there's lots of, there's shots of elephants getting shot and then being gutted and cooked and sixty-seven. Like. Yeah, yeah, it was it was Ooh. kind of a Mondo movie, um, <laughs> uh, but they cut it into this movie. I th- there was definitely a lot of stock footage or footage from something else that was then inserted into this to give it you know pep it up a bit. Uh, but it was kind of exciting. Uh, it's saving grace was it was quite exciting. I quite enjoyed it. I didn't particularly enjoy the you know watching an elephant being butchered, frankly, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, or being shot even. It just doesn't feel right that kind of thing now. Uh, mm-hmm. You know we've moved on from that kind of thing. But it was it was kind of um, it was an exciting film uh, nonetheless. It was kind of a cross between. There's an old sort of um, exploitation film called The 2000 Maniacs mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. people get caught by this sort of like, a confederate... I think they're ghosts in the film. I can't really remember. Yeah. But they yeah, get yeah. tortured in ingenious ways. So the whole first act felt like that and then it turned into a kind of Mondo stroke Tarzan stroke most dangerous game type of film. It was Like I say, it was very exciting but there was very little dialogue. It was pretty much almost a silent film what it did have also was some really cool african mu- music underlying every almost every scene uh, uh some of it was really african nice music or african uh, modern music um it said well some of it was definitely modern but some of it mm. sounded properly tribal african music that it, the the for the opening music um was really cool and it sounded like proper african music but then it sounded more like jazz in parts mm-hmm. of the film, do you know what I mean? It was, it was kind of, yeah. That is, that's just. But it did say in the titles, you know, genuine African music played by African musicians, and it did sound like that uh, in the beginning titles. But then it kind of went into kind of jazzy, you know, drums, exciting, really fast drumming while chases were going on, kind of stuff. It was kind of cool though. Uh, My kind of soundtrack. It. Yeah, it was good. It was a good soundtrack, actually. It was quite quite an interesting film. Uh, but as I say, it was kind of brutal. There was lots of shots of like antelopes getting speared and lions catching antelopes and yeah, little big toads eating little toads. Basically, it made Africa look like a gig- gigantic restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> have you um have you read the book Atrocity Week, Mark? No. 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 Um, I think it's from. Uh, the 19th, late 1970s by Andrew McCoy and it really um, just from what you were saying it really reminded me of that book that may be something um, you want to pick up if you're interested in that kind of you know um, man hunting man uh, I'm um, certainly interested in the man hunting hand but I didn't know there was all this sort of animal cruelty in this film I'm, I'm not a fan of that kind of thing I, you know I haven't watched Cannibal Holocaust because I don't really want to see that kind of thing for <laughs> example um, yeah. so it came as a surprise but you know once you've seen it you've seen it it's so like okay I'll carry on with this because I'm interested in the actual main story um, but yeah sorry what was it called again? Um, Atrocity Week um I was kind of recommended it years ago. I think I was in my late teens. And it's it's really brutal. It's basically um, a rich hunting party who, you know, have more money than sense. And they go to um, 
South Africa. And I believe the author lived there for a while. So, you know, the descriptions um, of the country are fantastic. And, yeah, they're basically hunting local tribesmen. Mm. Um, wow. and, and just how the kind of the characterization develops yeah. um, with the group, you know, and their kind of dynamic and, the, you know, the couples that go, the women and the men. It was a really, really kind of interesting film. Like I say, it's really, um, book, sorry. It's um, brutal. It really, it was my kind of first foray into really what I describe as extreme um, literature. Mm. Okay. Right. I'd say it's worth a read. Yeah, it's, um, the thing is, the more I look into this subgenre, the more you, I find it, it's like there's mm-hmm. so many films that you just never heard of. There's a lot of, it's a bit like zombie films, you know, the the actual ratio of good to bad is quite uh, low. There's, uh, there's a few good ones and quite a lot of bad ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've also started to explore some of the literature, which tends to hit a bit better. Uh, I really like the original Most Dangerous Games, the short story, actually. I think it's a really good short story uh and i read one recently by richard matheson which was like a man hunting another man uh but i can't remember it, was called. it wasn't a very good story though it was got a bit too weird say again seventh victim no I, I, uh, no that's that's from checkley yeah that's robert checkley uh no this was math oh, i can't remember what it was called it wasn't great but uh, i think actually anthony Rotolo recommended it to me or or made me aware of it um when i was sort of discussing this subgenre with him under i can't remember um for what reason but i do remember uh he recommended it i'm pretty sure he recommended it yeah 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 it's a really bad taste um, <laughs> i'm trying to remember what it was it wasn't a great story the thing was it was one of his later books when it got a bit too wordy i, I would recommend uh, uh, open season with Which, Peter Fonda. Oh, is that a movie? Yeah, a great movie. See, great I book. don't know that one. I keep stumbling, and I've seen loads of them, but I keep finding more and more of them. Uh, open season, right, open okay. Season, 72 or 73. Wonderful movie. And um, banned over here in Germany, of course. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. That's, that's always a book. the way. Um, I think this one. I'm just googling Richard Matheson. I think this. I think it's called Hunted Past Reason. I mm. think that's what. Yes, it is that one. Two guys go on a camping trip, and it turns out one of them's got a deep-seated resentment of the other, and it turns into one hunting the other. And also some really odd, sort of weird sexual elements to it as well. That I'm not going to go into. I just they struck me as really odd at the time, and I can't quite remember them, frankly. Um, anyway, <laughs> it sounds very much like Deliverance as well. Yeah, it's got a bit of a Deliverance vibe. Yes, definitely, definitely. We like a pig. <laughs> well, they're in. They are in the American wild. So yes, definitely, there's that aspect to it. But it's like, it's imagine if it's it's Deliverance, but you took the hillbilly with you, <laughs> rather than <laughs> finding him there. Kind of uh, so there's that kind of thing. So let's move on to one of your i've talked enough about naked prey uh, i recommend trying to see it but just be aware there's a lot of animal animal cruelty and it's got that implicit racism that some older films have got that you know if, as long as you go in with open eyes i think you know it's fine it was an exciting film though um okay dear, dear yeah. tell us about something you've been watching yeah i watched in infinity uh, which sounds like the title was broken in the middle, but it's only infinity and net, not infinity or something like this. It's from 2015, a recent movie, 
available on Netflix Canada right now. Um, and the movie starts uh, with white text on black background. And uh, as we all know, that's uh, not very usual since uh, 25 or 30 years. Mm. And um, the movie begins with this text, uh, which explains that space travel uh, was replaced by teleportation. And when the uh, picture finally opens and the, the uh, text uh, goes away, we see why this is the case, because the special effects aren't very good. And you, know, you definitely see they uh, invented the teleportation device just uh, for not showing any spaceships or uh, outer space scenes. Uh, in short, uh, the, the real story begins after 20 minutes of useless chatter and useless character introductions because a team of, uh, let's call them Marines, uh, will be transported to an outer space mining uh, colony where are problems and only one survivor is uh, um, scannable. Okay. And Sounds a bit like a cross between Outland and Event Horizon. Yeah, it's, get, it's getting close, close, right. very close. <laughs> they arrive at the station, everything is frozen there uh, because the ventilation is offline. And they find, the, find a few frozen bodies, a lot of body parts, um, skin draped over chairs and uh, a lot of blood. And they also find the guy who has survived this massacre or attack, and he told that, uh, tells them uh, that all the people suddenly started uh, hurting each other and killing each other. And so he was forced to stop the ventilation and freeze the station to uh, save his own life. And so they think it's a virus, um, airborne, uh, they put on their spacesuits and uh, start the restart the ventilation, but very soon they discover that uh, um, virus or whatever it is will be um, trans transmitted via blood, because they shot one of the dead people who are in real in reality uh, still alive, and they blow away his head. And the blood splatters uh, on two or three other guys, and they are infected also at this moment. Uh, nothing really interesting happens in the movie, uh, <laughs> for telling the truth. But what's interesting is uh, the uh, visual style and the, the art direction is... Um, as you have seen it in the 80s in video premieres from Charles Band. You've got corrugated steel walls, you've got big colorful buttons all around the stations and big handles and uh, yellow and black tape uh, all around. Um, the computers have uh, ray tube monitors and are programmed in basic. Cool. You have the whole <laughs> feeling is like an 80s movie playing in the future. I do like Charles Band movies, so maybe I'd like. Really, really, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and so that's that was what uh, what kept me watching the movie. 
right. because it's not very suspenseful or original. They try uh, uh, some things that uh, they try to merge Alien, Blade Runner, The Thing, and Event Horizon in, into one movie. Right. And this can't work without money. Nah. Yeah. No. And they have, they have bad actors. Well, I mean, you can sometimes get past it if you have a really good script and yeah. at least a couple of good actors. But if, if you've got bad actors there, it's just never going to work, is it? It's never going to work. Um, the, the whole movie reminded me, reminded me of the time, if, if you remember it, Friday evening, you went to the video store, rented five or six movies just for the covers, put them in and you saw oh it's one of those science fiction movies yeah. and it's exactly the same style and the same feeling and this was what kept me watching <laughs> yeah i used to have quite a lot of fun with those some of those ones that were clear alien ripoffs i kind yeah. of got a soft spot for those even though some of them are terrible i kind but, of enjoy but them but I, I know what you mean but this thing is from 2015. <laughs> <laughs> That's the interesting part. Uh, was it short? Uh, 89 minutes. Oh, okay. That that always helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it's. Um, you, you just survive it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so not a high recommend from you. <laughs> it's an interesting moving because of the visuals. Yeah, I think I might actually dig it out just from what you said because, uh, like it's, I say, I'm a kind of a fan of Charles Band kind of stuff. It's, it's Netflix. It doesn't mm. cost you uh, armor. Yeah, back. yeah. Well, we've still got it at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's enough. That's another theme. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what you were saying reminded me a little bit about um, Europa Report. 2013, the fan footage sci-fi horror? Uh, Europe Horror Report had at least uh, some good special effects. Well, yeah, I just thought it was kind of um, it kind of held back, I thought um, as well, which I thought really yeah. helped it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And that was uh, quite clever, I thought, in the way that it kind of um, you know, looked at the, the budget, you know, just mm. from what you're saying. They had interesting ideas ideas in Europa report uh, alone there's a thing with uh, weightlessness yeah where you could see in the capsule somebody is sitting on uh, on the roof and somebody is sitting on the side it's very interesting made but uh, all in all it wasn't very suspenseful or very good mm. yeah i mean like i say i appreciated it and i thought it was it was um nice not to have um you know overly done mm. special effects that kind of did drag it down a little bit yeah um but yeah it'd be nice to have a decent kind of sci-fi horror as we seem <laughs> to be kind of lacking it's, it's, it's hard hard to do such yeah definitely yeah it's tricky um okay um let's go on to one of yours becky what uh, what have you been watching this week um, so the first one is Crow's Nest from 2012, and that's the first of um, my two kind of watches from this week, which were both on Netflix UK, I believe. Mm. Um, and it's a found footage film, and it's the standard guy just bought a camera trope, mm. um, which of course is just completely unrealistic and great in now. <laughs> um, but if you kind of stick with it, there is some payoff in regards to the slasher elements. Um, it's directed by Brendan Spencer, who's um, directed a lot of TV series. And he seems to have started out as a cinematographer. So, you know, the, it looks good. Um, but overall, 
um, just in regards to the plot, the um, you've got the guy filming his five friends as they head out on a road trip, and like I say, you know, every minute detail. Um, and they are just suddenly kind of harassed by an old RV um, on the country roads, which is a bit of a strange choice of vehicle, as it's, you know, not very ominous, um, but I guess it adds to the realism. Um, and then it quickly escalates uh, with an accident that the RV causes and um, they're then stranded and then you are just kind of led through some extremely brutal slayings mm-hmm. um, and the plot and the characters are the usual formulaic fare uh, but I would give it absolutely top max for realistic gore if that's what you're after. Ah, <laughs> sounds nice. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely brutal. Um one kind of murder in particular is, is quite nasty. Um, and if you haven't heard anything about this, I would say don't read up on it mm. um, on IMDb or anything first because the brief synopsis there gives the whole plot away. But okay, Don't spoil it. <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure you can guess the generic ending as it kind of kicks in. But yeah, I mean, I'd definitely say, um, like I say, if the kind of slasher um, backwards kind of horror... Um, film and gore, you know, up your street to kind of give it a go. I need su- such things from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely one that you want to watch something nice after because <laughs> the scenes are quite effective. Um, it, you know, the definite tension. It doesn't give too much away in regards to um, who's kind of committing the the killings and you know why, and um, which I you know I appreciated, um, but. Yeah, some definite moments where, you know, it kind of turns your stomach and that doesn't kind of happen very often, I think, <laughs> personally, because, mm. you know, we're such kind of hardcore, strange yeah. people. Aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> Is it an American film? Uh, Canadian, I believe. Ah, okay, mm. okay, Canadian. Um, worth a watch, though? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so, just, just because of how effective um, the kind of the gore is and you know those scenes um and you know the makeup and effects right but like i say it is it is quite brutal um one bit in particular you know if anybody's quite sensitive to to violence you know the body parts kind of flying everywhere so which which body parts are <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to give it no, away no, but, no, um, no details no details <laughs> crow's nest though crow's nest that's an unusual name really yeah i've kind of um you know, it's popped up quite a few times in my kind of recommended list, and um, I kind of thought, oh, because I tend to gravitate towards more supernatural ones, right? Um, but I thought, oh, I'll give it a go, and yeah, you know, it was it was definitely like I say, it looks great, it's very kind of cold, um, kind of crisp tones to it. Um, but I think, like I said, that's from the, the director's um, background as a cinematographer, um, and that really, like I say, adds to, to the makeup effects the gore um so uh, you know a decent little slasher mm. okay cool my, uh, my bre- breakfast movie for, my, for tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> wow nice um okay so i'll um i'll pick up the next one now um i'm gonna be kind of carefully in case you haven't seen it and want to um ash versus the evil dead i watched all 10 parts mm-hmm. um have you I'm seen stuck it on episode seven uh becky is it have you seen any no you, not a chance yet interested yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, Just in time. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it was fun. It it does exactly what you would expect, mm. really. Bruce Campbell delivers as Ash. 
Um, I we covered it on our podcast last week, so we've actually put out a show about it, full of spoilers, absolutely full of spoilers. That's the reason why I don't download it. <laughs> don't listen to it. Um, yeah. But it, it's an awful lot of fun. There are some moments in it that are uh, proper laugh out loud yeah. because of the sheer levels of gore. Uh, I will say that there's some a few elements towards the end which felt a bit more like Silent Hill, say, than uh, mm. The Evil Dead. But that's fine. That's fine. Uh, it still worked for me. Uh, and I'm looking forward to season two. Uh, it's it, a high it, recommend for me. Is it open-ended? Uh, there's definitely uh, a segue into um, uh, a second series, yeah. Great, great. Yes, great. yes. Uh, uh, and I think all the other people as well, we've, it, Bruce Campbell's main team with him, turn into really good characters by the end as well. Mm. They kind of evolve uh, somewhat. Um, Ke- the the girl Kelly in particular evolves somewhat, um, mm-hmm. and it's kind of cool. I'm not going to say anymore because I'll, I'll yeah. spoil it by mistake. But uh, as mentioned, I, I stopped at episode seven and wanted to watch the last four uh, binge. I think that's a good way to do it. I think it's yeah. uh, it's definitely a series that lends itself to about three sittings. You know, mm-hmm. watch three, watch three, watch four. I think mm-hmm. that works works really well. However, they are quite good episodic. You know, the, each episode does have a central location or yeah. a central point, uh, and it kind of works well. But I'd, I'd say the last three kind of segue into one longer story, which is worth seeing. Yes, yeah. definitely. Um, I can't say I'm an enormous fan uh, of how it ended, but uh, I, I still liked it. Whatever, whatever. It it's, it, it it's, did it's, it did what I wanted. Really, it, it, it's Ash. It's Ash. Ash, <laughs> indeed. Um, so yeah, so that I'm not going to talk too much about that because I don't want to spoil it. So um, I could talk about one other one because I've got quite a long list. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I watched another film by the same director. As, uh, the guy that directed Onibaba is called Kuruneku, which is uh, Japanese for Black Cat. It's a contraction of the full Japanese title. The full Japanese title is Black Cat in a Bamboo, f- gro- bamboo Grove, uh, which is apparently a euphemism or a saying in Japan to mean it's a problem that's really difficult to unravel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's got lots of elements very like Onibarbo. It's it's much more of a horror film than Onibarbo is. I don't I don't want to talk about Onibarbo too much yet. Uh, mm-hmm. But basically, it starts with uh, it's set in like medieval Japan. Uh, these two women, uh, and it's an older woman and a younger woman, um, are in a, a a little hut in a field, and they're like just about to sit down to eat when suddenly all these soldiers come in, samurais come in. And then uh, they obviously they, it's not graphic, but they they get raped uh, and either killed or just left for dead by the samurais. And you just see a, a, a few samurai. You're not quite sure. There seems like there's eight or nine samurais there. Uh, and while you hear the women sort of not screaming but wailing and sobbing, you see there's lots of close-ups of men just staring and sweaty and mm-hmm. eating things. It's kind of really grim. Uh, and then. Um, after that you just start men start coming out you you see the this um the outside of the house and it's all peaceful and quiet and then men start coming out and then more men start coming out and then about 20 men come out and it's Mm. like oh my god Mm. and as they just about clear the the house and disappear into the woods as the last one disappears you start seeing smoke rising out of the house because they set a light Mm. and they burn burn it it burns down and then you see the 
the the two women uh, apparently untouched by the flames it's a bit odd in the the sort of ashes of this these remains uh they got ash on them but they're not burnt otherwise uh but they're obviously dead and then a black cat kind of come around them and it turns out that they become like vengeful ghosts stroke spirits who are revenging themselves against all samurais um um, because of what happened to them, they've made a deal with the uh, dark gods or whatever to uh, stay on Earth so they could revenge themselves against samurais. And basically, they, they, um, the samurais wandering nearby, they'll sort of lure them in, entice them in. The younger girl is like they look really like ladies rather than peasants now, and they kind of lured back and sort of lulled into a sense of sort of. You know, given a drink and 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 kind of being led on a bit by the younger one, uh, and basically, what when when whoever when the first, we see one one white lord or samurai there, uh, and they're talking to him and they're saying, "Out, oh, yeah, my son went away. He was taken into war." Uh, and you find basically find out the original two women. Um, they what it was a mother and a daughter or, or daughter-in-law and the son was dragged off to war leaving them and they were waiting for him to come back and in you know and this happened to them uh but basically uh while all this sort of um sort of kissing and stuff is happening um with the daughter the the younger one she then attacks him at, at the throat so it's kind of a vampire but it's cat a cat-like being because occasionally you see the back of their hair a wag like a cat's tail, <laughs> and while while she's attacking him, the mo- the mother, the, the older one or the mother, let's say the mother, is doing a weird dance in the hallway. It's a really weird feel. Uh, but then you see the same attack with different samurais over and over and over again. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but then it leads to a completely different. Uh, that's the first act, and the second act we see the son as like a vagabond being chased by some lord, but he manages to kill him, and then takes him back to his lord, and he's turned out he's killed like the the leader of the other people who are fighting, and he gets promoted to a samurai. But then he he's and he goes back. I need to go back and see my mother and wife, mm. and then he goes back and there's like a, a burn. You know, they appeared to dead as far as he's concerned he doesn't know what's happened it's all burnt down then he goes back to his lord and he says well okay all right so you're working for me now i want you to kill apparently there's demons in this this place you need to go kill them and then it's about you know (laughs) him finding out who they are it's it's it's, yes it's it's a really interesting one It, it was much more supernatural than onibaba um, but the director seems to have a thing for uh, killing women. Yeah, and uh, apparently that she looked completely different. But apparently it was the same woman as in Onibaba was the older one. But she looks completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'm not. I need to double check that. But she she did she did look um, quite a bit different. But it was a really really interesting film. I I, I think Onibaba was a little better. But uh, I thought it was really a pretty solid film. I'd, g- I'd give it four out of five. I really mm. quite enjoyed it, but it was there was it was a much more surreal kind of film all the way through. Well, hard to find, or did you find it? Um, I've got it on a rental. I, I rent from uh, Amazon, um, ah. so any films I can't kind of find, I just put on you know top of my list of my rental, and it and it just arrived because I want to you know. And it, I read more by the director, and I saw this. Mm. In fact, no, I'll tell a lie. I didn't know this was by the same director. I just saw it as, like, you know, Japanese 
sort of horror films to watch, and it was on mm-hmm. near the top of the list. So I just uh, had. It's only when I watched it I realised it was. You know, I saw the title, and it was the same director. So it was like it wasn't intentional. It just turned up on my door, and it was that. You know, the, the thing with the same themes uh, is yeah. usual in Japan. Yes, um, uh, it, I, we we watched a festival of Japanese movies in 1990. Yeah, and they had a, a series of ghost movies, five or six different ghost movies from 1950 up to 1978 or something like this, and they all had the same story in, in the end. Is it? Is vengeful spirits seem to be a, yeah. a thing? Does it? It's, there was definitely elements in this. I know this. Uh, I think a Chinese ghost story, for example, is mm-hmm. a Chinese mm-hmm. film. But I definitely saw th- elements of this in Chinese ghost stories, like you know certain bits where the ghost w- or the spirit would somersault away from mm-hmm. the fight mm-hmm. uh, in slow motion. That was in this film mm-hmm. as well. So uh, it's uh, you know it it was either introducing or continuing tropes. Um, that we we used to if we watch later films. And there was bits in it that looked a bit like Mr. Vampire too. Oh, hopping, hopping zombies. Well, there wasn't any hopping, but it was kind <laughs> of that weird move. Some of the weird moving you sometimes get. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of cool though. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, okay, dear. Next yeah, one. Yeah. What, uh, what else have you watched? I watched uh, two of the big blockbusters I missed last year. Um, I don't know why, really, but normally I, I watch all of them. Uh, I try to watch <laughs> all of them. Uh, I watch Tomorrowland, which is in Germany called uh, A World Beyond. Okay. Really, A World Beyond, not uh, Eine Welt daneben, but A World Beyond. It's just in English, A World Beyond. Yeah, wow. yeah we, got an, we got another English title. And this title is a lot, a lot better than Tomorrowland, I think. Uh, I won't go too deep into the story. It's about a girl uh, who has the ability to bring things in order. Uh, um, She can, uh, let's say, a car broke down, she can touch it and it works again. And she gets kidnapped into or uh, invited into another dimension where... Uh, intelligent and creative people from Earth have uh, uh, emigrated to build a better world. Right. And this is a world like you imagine it uh, from a 50s movie with uh, big towers, uh, flying cars, uh, um, flying trains, and so, so like you got it in the early 50s sci fi. Right. And this world uh, is uh, um, close to collapse and, and broke, break down because our world is breaking down. And so we got a, um, let's say, ecological message uh, buried in the movie. We got uh, parts of action movies. We got... Um, Comedy, because uh, George Clooney plays an uh, elder guy who was in the 60s uh, a whisket who discovered uh, um, a jetpack, okay. a variable jetpack, and was also um, brought into this other dimension. And now he is living on Earth again, and she is, he has to help the girl 
to get into the dimension, to save it. Uh, it's, it's nothing really great from the story uh, aspect, but it's a movie like a Spielberg movie from the 80s. Yeah, I, 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 I saw the trailer and I thought, well, that looks like yeah. it could be okay. And you, in fact, the trailer did convey a kind of Spielbergian yeah, kind yeah, of approach yeah. as well. So the trailer sounds like it was true to the film, you, uh, you, which you is have, always good. You have a, a Clooney's character as a kid has a dysfunctional family with uh, the absent mother and uh, the father is uh, alcoholic and, and uh, doesn't help him with his um, scientific experiments. Uh, the, the girl, who is the main character, uh, also has only her father and you have those, those Spielbergian touches all around. And best of all, when it goes into another dimension it, for, for the first time, you have this, this sense of wonder you've got in, in E.T. or Close Encounters, this uh, slowly building up to the full visuals. Right. It sounds pretty good. Uh, did you enjoy yeah, it? I, I, I loved it. I loved it. Oh, I don't on. know why the critics uh, ripped, him, uh, ripped the movie on you one, really. Yeah. It wasn't Is it um, a Disney film? It's a Disney movie. And, yeah. and the, the funny thing is, uh, because Disney had already bought the Star Wars uh, um, uh, merchandise at this time, you have a wonderful scene where uh, there's a fight in a, let's say, comic shop or um, an antique shop for uh, nerds like us. And uh, they are uh, fighting each other with uh, Millennium Falcons, uh, R2-D2s, uh, Donald Duck <laughs> figures. It's so funny. It's so funny to see this all in one movie. <laughs> and the beginning sequence is uh, shot in uh, Disneyland or Disney World. I can't uh, take, uh, take them apart. Um, and you see, it's Disney. It's a nice. totally Disney nice. Spielberg uh, Lucas movie. <laughs> it, can, it can be kind of wonderful and jarring uh, when you yeah. see like different um, uh, what would you call it? different franchises, franchises all interacting. I remember feeling the same when I saw first time I saw Who Framed Roger yeah. Rabbit. You yeah. know, and it was like Donald and Duffy playing the piano. <laughs> yes, that was awesome. Uh, but it's kind of fun. Yes, indeed. Um, okay, uh, Becky, what else have you been watching? So um, the other film I caught this uh, week on Netflix was The Chosen from 2015. And um, this stars Keen Lawley, who I believe is known for his YouTube videos um, in his first major role. And strangely enough, I, was, I had to explain to my nieces what podcasting was. And I had to kind of frame it in terms of it's like YouTubing, but just audio <laughs> to make them realize which way. Maybe old, old guys YouTubing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so um, I'm sure they will be aware of who he is. Um, but this is a supernatural film and it has a decent concept. Um, a child stealing demon attaches itself to a little girl um, and will take her soul unless her family act quickly in order to save her and then send the demon back to hell. Um, however, the relatively crap acting it must be said and really dodgy effects um coupled with a predictable ending makes for quite a generic watch um it's the directorial debut from ben jehoshua i think you pronounce it and there's really nothing about it 
to make it stand out. Um, like I say, aside from, you know, a relatively interesting concept regarding uh, demons and the supernatural, um, aside from Lolly, who holds much of the film up, so, you know, I'll credit to him, um, I would be interested to see what he does next as an actor, but overall I'd be quite hesitant to recommend it. Is it uh, what kind of YouTuber is this guy? I don't know. I think he's involved with... Um, kind of brat pack of other people because he's only kid i think he's about 19 20 mm. um and they go on tours and whatever where they put up is it vlogging i have oh. the same trouble with, with this kind of stuff with my daughter she like says i want this book and I say who are these people she says, oh, they're, they're on youtube what <laughs> what do they do what have they done <laughs> yeah what, what actually do they do you know is this suitable for you it's like like <laughs> No adults can tell me if it's suitable because they don't know it. No one seems to know it. <laughs> so, oh I, I think nobody has heard about uh, Kartoffelsalat, potato salad. It's a movie, a German movie from last year where all the German YouTubers, including those uh, um, uh, parcel packers, I, I don't know how, how to call this, when they, when they open their parcels and, and pull out their DVDs, Un unboxers, unboxing, unboxing. Guys. Oh yes, I know this one. Yes, doing unboxing and and makeup tips and and cooking shows, and all the, those guys got together and made a movie. And loud, uh, judging from IMDb, it's uh, one of the ten worst movies ever made. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we have a new record. German. Wow, <laughs> wow. I'm uh, so proud of. <laughs> no, I mean it was here really taken off because I heard on the radio that I can't remember the names, but two um, YouTubers uh, who have a show together are kind of hitting the road on a tour and filming themselves. Yeah, mom, my and daughter's got that video. Yeah, well, the, I saw a camera on the road today in HMV. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, on the road. What are the names? They're on the road. Something, like, something on the road. Yeah, Joe and something. Oh, I don't know what it is. What it is. <laughs> <sighs> we're, we're too old for this. We really stuff. are too old, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I never know how to deal with this. I kind of I like to embrace it, to be honest, and say, you know, pull up your trousers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see your pants. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> where's that silly? Why are you wearing a silly hat? Is what the, my usual thing. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> so not a great feel, though, Becky. No, no, not not really. Um, it, it's kind of. I don't think I'm giving too much weight to say that. Basically, the, the demon itself, um, who is Lilith, which I believe, oh, right. in terms of, um, the law is meant to be the original wife of Adam. Adam also sometimes considered the first vampire. Mm. Yeah, in some law. Big character on Supernatural as well as uh, the series. Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> yeah, but um, it's basically they will take the soul of a child and then um, the parent, whoever the guardian, must sacrifice, I think it's six or seven other people who are related by blood. Okay. So a very interesting concept in that, you know, and that's how the, um, the main character, Lolly, um, he carries the film because he's then got to choose from his family basically who he wants to um to kill so you know it's got some you know humorous moments and you know he's obviously got to make some some terrible decisions but 
it just doesn't quite go anywhere and and like i say the effects really do let it down mm. all right okay <laughs> sorry was this on netflix yeah uh, uk or us or? i think it was the uk one okay and mm. another one i can uh, strike from my watch list <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thing is i'm kind of, i kind of got you know you i think you guys have been the same it's been so busy this week i kind of try and only watch good stuff at the minute i'm, I'm trying my best um yeah. but you know you can't just watch good stuff you got to it's a bit like you know you can't eat have porridge every day. You need to mix it out with something else. Just try different Definitely. things. Definitely, and uh, I try to kind of use Netflix to watch you know new releases as well. Because yeah. sometimes you know you, you know what it's like. You'll find a gem. Yes, you do. Yeah, there's some awesome. I've seen some awesome films on Netflix. Uh, I, uh, in the last few months that I just would not have seen otherwise. Uh, things like Beyond the Black Rainbow and mm. uh, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, Okay, um, I'll um, I'll go on to my next one if that's okay. Um, I've I've got a bit of a lead into this. Um, uh, the news, well, the news this week that uh, David Bowie died kind of got mm. me down a bit. I'm not a sad person; I don't really do sad, but uh, I was feeling pretty bad about uh, David Bowie. But I did find that just listening to his music helped a lot with that. Mm-hmm. But then oh, Alan Rickman died. Just wanted to say, I bought yeah, the, I bought the new Bowie album uh, at Friday, and Monday he was dead. Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of people have done that, haven't they? Because it, it's only come out. Was it a mm. week ago or Friday? Yeah, from Friday. Wow. Friday and Monday um, he was dead. Yeah. So anyway, that got me down. And then Alan Rickman drive, and oh. it, it, that really got me down. But I was, <laughs> I was thinking about. It, I said, well listening to david bowie help me with that so I'll, i need to watch an alan rickman film which leads me into this i watched die hard um, uh, i've heard about it and <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do really like rickman's performance hans gruber i think is probably or in fact i'm certain he's, he's the smoothest bad guy in cinema uh, Absolutely. i really like hans gruber uh, rickman he, gives a great performance he's a german yeah, <laughs> um, that was back when uh, sometimes Germans were the bad guys. Now it seems to be it's British people that seem to be the bad guys in lots of films. British people are the bad guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, but in this one, it was uh, it was Germans. Uh, <laughs> um, um, it's always funny die hard, watching Die Hard. It's always. In fact, almost every time I watch it, I don't watch it that frequently, but the first 20 minutes, I always think, yeah, this is not going to be as good as I remember it. And then mm-hmm. and then the um, terrorists uh, sort of take hostages and everything kicks off and it's fantastic. It's a fantastic, silly, wonderful sort of 80s film. Um, and then that led me on to, um, you know, I enjoyed it so much, I watched Rocky Four today because that's another silly, glorious <laughs> 80s film the, that i really forest. really love is what the forest a music video yes yes it's got it's, it's if, just if, a video with some boxing it's, <laughs> if you watch if you watch um if you count the end titles he's got four montages mm-hmm. and it's only 87 minutes long uh, <laughs> but it's just so much fun and it's yeah. that that final act is so exciting and you know rocky's gonna win but it's just so it's, exciting it's, it's it's a movie with uh, we put a robot in. Robots are in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's robots. Um, yeah, the robots goofy, and we were. It's one of those films. Um, it, 
on my podcast, you know, The Good, The Bad and The Odd, we appreciate films, we really appreciate films that are so, somehow simultaneously good, bad and odd. And I think yep. Rocky Ford's going to fall into that category Absolutely. for us. Well, I think we're going to talk about it in our next podcast. Um, uh, it, it just, it's it's pure cinema in many ways. It just, it's just visceral and, and you know, if you think about it too hard, it's, it's really goofy, but if you just watch it and take it in, it's a hell of a lot of fun. Even though there's every other scene is, is ridiculous, pretty ridiculous. It's, it's kind of a lot of fun. It, it only feels like half an hour. It does shoot by. Yeah. Cause it's, yeah. So, it's kind of exciting. And like you say, it's music videos, it's montages, it's basically the only things in it worth, you know, it's mostly training and fighting. Yeah. <laughs> and a bit of dancing. What did you expect from a boxing movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like the perfect boxing movie in that sense. Yeah. It's just training and fighting and all of it's exciting. Um, have, um, just in regards to your uh, mention of Alan Rickman, have either of you seen Closetland? Which one? Closetland. No. 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 Um, it's, I was introduced to it in um, film school because of the, the sound design. Um, and it's one of his greatest performances. You can class it as a horror film, I, I guess. Um, but it stars him and Madeleine Stowe, who I absolutely love. Um, and she is um, an author of children, uh, children's books. And she is taken from her home in the middle of the night um and basically the whole film takes place in one room she's accused of embedding um anarchistic messages into her book which is entitled closet land and it's a story about a child who um as a result of bad behavior has been locked in a closet and she's greeted in there by a group of childhood ally archetypes who attempt to comfort her wow. and this concept is questioned by the government allegedly and this interrogator who she never sees, she's blindfolded. And that's how we get all of the, the kind of sound design and the torture that um, is enacted by Alan Rickman as the interrogator upon her. Mm. He doesn't always do it. Sometimes he uses things and sounds. It's a, it's a really strange, it's almost like a play. Um, but Maybe it's a it really based strange... based on a play. I think it might have been. Um, it's creepy as anything. And the kind of... Um, resolution is quite yeah a bit, a bit you know it's not brutal it's not graphic but what it hints at and um, you know what you you find out actually happens is quite yeah quite quite oh, strange that's, that's, but that, i think i'm gonna put that on my to watch list cause it's I, I would I really really recommend that and you know I, it's just I think, very unusual yeah i've seen so many of his films but this is one that whenever i kind of mention it to anybody nobody seems to have heard of it mm -hmm. right no i've so. never never heard of it never yes. heard of it absolutely um but the, alan rickman's one of these guys that never gives a bad performance he's, he's, he's yeah you know he's he's um and that voice he's got a great voice um and I mean, cancer Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> he's, you know, and he's been, you know, he's Hans Gruber, and he was the sheriff of Nottingham in, in, in a very 
yeah, you know, up and down kind of fun film, but he was fantastic in yeah. Robin Hood. Um, I even liked him as Marvin the Marvin the Paranoid Android in yeah. um, in the Hitchhiker's Guide movie. Um, the first ten thousand years we were born. The, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, and Galaxy Quest, he was amazing in that. Oh yes, yeah. I, I, you know what? I actually do you think Galaxy Quest might be his best performance. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> He's so good in it. He is so good yeah. in that. Um, but anyway, what I found is watching, yeah, you know, either listening to the music or watching the films has helped yeah. uh, with this week. Is but I found it quite hard wait, to be honest. The um, only time it it, it didn't help uh, for me was uh, the death of Robin Williams. Yeah, I couldn't watch a Robin Williams film for uh, six months. I, I can was believe such that. Such a big yeah. fan, and I, I couldn't stand thinking about that he's dead. Yes, it, it was it was hard. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I always <sighs> get onto positive. stuff like this. Um, dear, tell us about another watch. Oh yeah, something positive. I <laughs> just watched uh, f- twenty minutes ago. I watched Jupiter Ascending. And that is positive. I would call it Jupiter <laughs> descending. <laughs> uh, I won't go into the story. It's uh, really not worse. It, it's uh, convoluted. It's a typical Wachowski story, I would say. Uh, you got m- millions of details and, and thousands of different stupid characters. And what you want to see is uh, visual impacts. And uh, there are some great visual scenes in this movie but the acting is uh, what, what what could I call it it's it's school level right mostly. so it's bad acting well you, everyone's um, who's it I'm trying to think who's it I know um, Mila Kunis is in it is Mila Kunis Shannon Tatum Sean Bean and he survives that's, uh, he survives. That's really. <laughs> that's that's, that's just not right. That's scary couldn't, thing about it. Couldn't be a good movie. Nah. And so isn't Eddie Ed, Eddie uh, Redmayne in it as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, uh, with a uh, with a voice like he has uh, some uh, neck problems. Wow. A great ghastly, ghastly. Wow. It's, it's a movie. Uh, Mila Kunis is some space princess working as a janitor in, in hotels. And uh, she gets um, discovered and kidnapped in outer space. And she gets kidnapped in 20 minutes by two different brothers who want to marry her. Wow. Wow. Um, and there are action scenes uh, like uh, the Star Wars prequels. So you, you throw mm. anything against the green screen and hope something uh, gets stuck. <laughs> it's unbelievable bad and, and boring and, and convoluted. It's, it's nothing worth watching in this movie. I was just going to say, isn't it true that like... Um Several of the characters have been spliced with different animals, and Sean B is part. Sean Bean, sorry, not B, is part B. Uh, I think Mila Kunis is part B. <laughs> but, but I didn't get all <laughs> this, 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 this technical stuff because after just 20 minutes, you lose totally every interest in the story. It's wow. so boring. It's so, so. I, I, it's, it's a Wachowski movie. <laughs> yeah, but they they have made some, you know. Um, they, made, they made three good movies. 
They made the Matrix. They made Speed Racer. Yeah, Speed Racer was good. Absolutely <laughs> underrated. And this thing with Tom Hanks. This is oh, Cloud, At Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas. I've not seen German that. Movie. It's it's a great movie. It's uh, the half of the half of the movie is uh, from a German director. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> I I I actually had on my list to watch Jupiter Ascending because everyone hated it, so I thought, well, I've got to give it a try. That's but it just that's fell the off. The reason I watched it, yeah, because everyone hated it, and I thought I would, lo I will love it. Yeah, no, no, everyone. No. A lot of people didn't like Speed Racer, though, didn't they? So it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah I'd give it a chance. You know, Speed, because of that, I'm Speed kind of, Racer is the perfect uh, real-time manga movie. It's a really good film. It yeah. is a, on a Just, on a really good screen. It's fantastic. It, it, it has John Goodman. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Like Cloverfield Two, we must talk about Cloverfield Two. Uh, Mike wanted to talk about Cloverfield 2, didn't uh, he? Oh, yeah, but we have to wait on that. I think we were best wait. Well, you won't be on next week, though, will you? No, you? sadly not. So you tell us what you think about Cloverfield 2, anyway. The trailer, uh, I like. I like the idea of uh, living in a bunker. I think it's a, uh, it will be a drama and not a horror movie, and it will not be a monster movie. <sighs> Ah, I haven't seen the trailer, so it's kind of a post-apocalypse. It's uh, surviving kind of a bunker. A in apocalypse uh, horror yeah. movie. Yeah, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, oh, are, yeah. Uh, they are hiding uh, from the monster in some shelter. Yeah, and John Goodman seems to be the matriarch of this uh, family, and he is in full Goodman move. Yeah, it looks, I looks mean, good, really interesting. Goodman's all, another one like Alan Rickman. It's about what they're in. You know, he's going to be good. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, uh, I like John Goodman in pretty much everything he's been yep. in. Actually, um, it's just a likable personality. You know, he's got I, charisma I, and, and presence, isn't he? He's I, like, I like fat Goodman. I like small Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, Okay, all right, so Jupiter Ascending, you, you sort of suggest giving it a miss. Yeah, 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 save the time. Watch two other movies in this time. <laughs> it feels like four hours. Um, you hmm? should um, catch the How Did This Get Made um, episode about Jupiter Ascending. I think you'd find I it already, hilarious. I al already heard, listened to it. Did you? Oh, yeah, brilliant. yeah, it's, it's one of those podcasts in my rotation. Um, I'd actually recommend... Now you've mentioned Jupiter Ascending, I'd recommend a video um, guy called. Um, have you guys heard of Nostalgia Critic? Yes, yes, of course. He's done a recent episode. Why do bad, good directors go bad? Where he talks mm -hmm. about George Lucas and uh, and Night Shyamalan and the Wachowskis uh, and sort of what what causes this. And it his thesis is it's probably they get um, they get too good. They get rated by other people too highly, too fast, which means they've got no controlling factors, which means they go off the rails. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which I think is probably spot on, actually. Yeah. Uh, some yeah. directors need a free hand to uh, create something great, and some directors need a producer who pushes, pushes them down. Yeah, I, I agree. Like David Lynch is great uh, when yeah. he's free. He, sometimes he's great when he's, he's also. You know, directed. I think Mark Frost in uh, made mm. was part was definitely fifty percent of what made Twin Peaks yep. great. Actually, yep. um, where you know a lot of David Lynch's films are just David Lynch, and they're great because of that. Um, 
Whereas, yeah. like, I think you know, George Lucas go went off the rails completely with some of his stuff. He's great ideas, man, but you know, directing and act, writing dialogue, forget it. George, um, George, George Lucas directed three movies I will never talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but he did make some movies before, yeah, Star Wars, obviously, but before Star Wars, THX, THX, yeah, graffiti. they're great films, they're great absolutely. films, absolutely. Um, so you know. Mm. Uh, anyway, I think that's all of our what we've been watching. So um, let's move on to our main feature. And this week we talk about Onibaba.
so this film was uh, commercially very successful internationally because it's got a very exotic mix of sensuality and also eye-catching cinematography, symbolism, sound design. I think it's a mix of sort of set sensuality and sex and it's kind of intellectual side of it sort of promoted worldwide as as something to go and see um mm. it was directed by kineto shindo uh and featuring his regular group of performers and it was inspired by a buddhist parable parable in which a mother used the master scare her daughter in going to temple but she was punished by the mask sticking to her face because she was doing wrong by this uh and when she begged to be allowed to remove it she, and took it off, it took the, fly, the flesh off her face with it. Uh, and that was that's like a traditional old parable uh, in 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 Japan. Um, the director uh, is also a known socialist, and he was trying to. He had a certain. There were certain subtexts he wanted to represent in it. There was definitely an allegory of capitalism through and through in this, uh, and war. And in fact, some of the makeup designs were intentionally reflecting some of the injuries and symptoms of the victims of the uh, Nagasaki and Hiroshima bombings. Um, now, how would you like to proceed through this? There's three of us here today instead of four, so we could be a, a little more relaxed, perhaps a li- little less structured. Um, so um, I, we could go through the main sections uh, or we could just talk about the film as a whole, the different elements of the film. I could, would you prefer if I just start with some of the story? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I would say let's start with some of the story. Uh, don't reveal too much because okay. it's interesting how the movie builds up. Yeah, I, w- I think we'll start where we won't. We do specific spoilers, but when when it gets to a point where we will spoil the movie for you if you haven't seen it, we'll we'll announce at that point, and, mm-hmm. and then you should turn off really. Um, so the film starts with a fairly gruesome part where uh, it's basically it turns out two women are, are killing soldiers. There's two soldiers in grass, if I remember rightly, uh, and two women are killing them, and then they strip them of their weapons and clothes. Uh, and uh, we see the women selling that uh, that stuff. So basically, these women appear to be living as an older woman and a younger woman, and uh. they appear to be living by killing soldiers who enter this long grass where they live. Uh, uh, and you know, under all, all this, you know, it it's all very hidden, and you can't really see what's going on under this cover. These women are surviving by by killing soldiers uh, and uh, selling their armor and weaponry to live and don't forget uh, how they go at, uh, how they depo- dispose the bodies yes and very important to this film <laughs> is they dispose of their uh, their victims by throwing them into a huge black hole in the middle of all of this grass and uh, now <laughs> as all we're talking about that what did you think of the symbolism in this film? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, are, are we yet at the masturbation scene? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm trying to think. That's fairly unknown, isn't it? Um, no, there was. I mean, it was a very, very a film with very, very heavy and obvious symbolism. Uh, yeah. Throughout uh, uh, the grass, well, it, they could uh, some of the, some of it could be taken in a number of different ways. They they were basically hidden in this this grass that uh, mm. 
that they weren't revealing themselves to the world as such, were they? They were waiting for something to come towards them. Um, the, the whole movie plays in this grass and two huts. Uh, yes, it 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 also and there's a river that bounds the grass too yeah. that sort of becomes their way. But but essentially that they don't go beyond this. They they stay there and wait for yeah. things come to come to the them really. Uh, can I before we get into this actually? Can I ask if have either of you seen this film before? I saw it uh, in the early seventies. Wow, uh, uh, it's age ten or twelve. You saw this one. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't couldn't make anything about uh, of it. It was uh, just uh, what 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 do they want from me? <laughs> yeah, I would have. Did you see uncut? Sorry. Uh, I saw the German version, which is uh, twenty minutes shorter. Oh, that is quite a bit shorter, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, no nudity. <laughs> yeah, wow, that yeah, that's about 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> there was quite a lot of nudity in this. Quite yeah. a lot. Uh yeah, it's it's um I'm amazed the if you saw it at that age you actually stuck with it. I think if I'd have watched it at 10 I'd have turned off after about 20 minutes. Uh turned off is is great. It was in the cinema. Oh, okay. <laughs> you couldn't turn it right, off. Right. Okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. We we, we we were uh, um we were called by the title. The German title is Die Töterinnen, The Killers. Yeah. And uh, the, the um, grammatical uh, uh, trick is Töterinnen is uh, like a butcher. Okay. Someone who does this for uh, earning money. For money, right, yeah. okay. Not, not like killer, murder, murder, or, or no. something like this. Töterinnen uh, is something strange. It's more like a butcher. Right. It, sound, it sounded interesting to a 12-year-old. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's an apt title. It's definitely yeah. an apt title. Um, Becky, is this the first time you've seen it? I haven't seen it before all the way through. I'd seen um, stills um, and maybe a couple of clips. And I've definitely seen parts of uh, Shindo's other films. Definitely Dobu um, from 1954. Um, so you know, it was a real treat to watch it. Is Doble the one called The Naked Island or some? It's about peasants. No, that, that's a a separate film. Oh, okay. Um, was from 1954, and The Naked Island was 1960. Uh, okay, so um, yeah, so this was your first time uh, viewing. Um, what? I don't I don't want to get into too much, but uh, what's your overall impression? I was thoroughly impressed. I, I really loved it. And just looking through um, Shindo's other titles, um, such as Mother in 1963, um, Strong Women, Weak Men in 1968, <laughs> and um, the kind of focus on the two women in this, and similarly in, in Dobu about you know a prostitute, he seems to be, in a way, for me, like the Petro Moldovar of, of Japanese cinema mm -hmm. in, in the way that he presents um, women on screen and kind of a voice for women. And whereas war films normally, because I, I think you can class this as a, you know, a, um, an historical kind of a drama because I think it's set in the, third, uh, the 14th century. Yeah. Um, 
you know, war films normally are completely focused on men. And this, like you say, is very hidden and just focuses on um, the lives of two women um, in the absence of men and the effects of that war that's kind of controlled largely by men. And I thought, I thought that was really, really interesting. Yeah, it, 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 it definitely has a sort of... I'm not sure if you call it feminist, but he certainly has a, a female-oriented uh, sort of perspective or he tries to sort of focus on, on those things. He's an interesting director. This this film, I have to say, this film is the second watch for me. And the first time, it's really odd, the first time, I almost from the beginning, I felt like it was a horror film. Uh, but on the second watch, it felt much less of a horror film and, uh, and, and more of a drama until yeah. the very end to me. It was, it's odd. It was, I was thinking, I'm sure there was more horrific elements at this point in the film. It's almost like I, I remember much more of the third act than the rest of it. Uh, and this, this, with this f- second watch, it felt much more, it felt like a Japanese version of a Southern Gothic. Mm. That's how it yes. felt. Yeah. Um, rather than a horror film. Um, and it was interesting because I was really expecting to... Well, I think the first time I watched it, I wrote in a review at the time, um, I'm going to give this 9 out of 10, but I expect next time I watch it, I might enjoy it even more. But I didn't find that so. I found it... I got almost everything I could from it with one watch. Even though it seemed quite deep and complex, it's actually deceptively simple. Yes. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree. <laughs> Uh, and where you can watch something like, I don't know, um, some of Kurosawa's films over and over and get more each yeah. time because of the complexity of the characters, these were much, on the second watch, felt much more like archetypes than complex individuals. Mm. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to some degree. Uh, it's a tricky film. I, f- I, f- I found it quite a tricky film. Uh, it was kind of interesting, but it was kind of what's what's the what's the mother's motivation it, it it turns out that it's maybe not as complex as i thought the first time it's like i don't want to starve to death so i need some help mm-hmm. <laughs> whereas i felt and there was I, much I, more I, to it the first and time I, and i don't don't want to lose my daughter yes yeah um, i don't know i kind of disagree in that it kind of gives a voice and a representation to older women which generally doesn't happen in um especially western cinema um so that kind of idea, not only of matriarchy, but power, um, the fear of growing old, um, you know, having a kind of sexual appetite, but not being seen in that way anymore. Mm-hmm. And I found it really interesting that the actress who played um, the older woman was only 39 at the time. Yeah, she was the director's uh, yes. wife, I believe. Really? Yes. And, and you really can see that, that she's a young woman. Uh, yeah, but they kind all of... all these nude scenes. Yeah. Yeah. They very much played on the fact that she was a lot older, um, which didn't kind of come across um, very well. But just, you know, those ideas, like I was saying, you know, desire, all the things that an older woman may be thinking about. And like I say, I, I don't often see that, or personally, I don't think that's often kind of portrayed on screen. And, you know, you've got the kind of, if we look at newscasters, for example, and you know, saying that older men can be newscasters but um, and presenters on television in the UK, I'm talking about here, that women generally, when they reach a certain age, they face uh, a certain discrimination. Mm. And it kind of played into that. Um, yeah, oh, I, I don't disagree issue. with you. Uh, I think my... Th- 
think what I was um, what I'm saying is I, I I don't think I'm not I'm not saying this was a stereotype or a simplistic character. What I meant was um, first time I watched it, I felt there was way more going on than was on the surface. But on the second time, it was like no, actually, it is all surface, and this woman's representing an archetype. A very no, I mean, strong I'd agree archetype. with that. Yeah, yeah, that is very simple and it's very kind of uh, laid out. That, yeah. You know, for you to see. Yeah, and you don't have to kind of read into it. So. Uh, and it's only the, because um, I felt the acting was really good that you've. I, I think the first time I watched it, because the actor was so good, I felt there was way more going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a second watch, I didn't get any more out of it than the first watch. But I got plenty on the first watch. That's not to say it's a superficial film. Uh, as such what what i meant i think was is some films you can watch again and again and you get something new each time i didn't really get anything new with a second watch personally i I, I can see that but you you know that's maybe a personal thing it might be someone else watches it a second time and they'll get more and i was really expecting to see more in it uh the second time um that's all I meant. Um, it, but it, 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 having said that, it's a great film. You know, mm-hmm. it's a great film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I like the allegor- allegorical nature of it as well. Um, um, I actually, what, the version I had of this is well, it's currently on sale on the U- Amazon UK, I think, for something like eight, seven or eight pounds. So it's quite cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's got a nice introduction by Alex Cox where he talks mm. about what the film means to him. And he, he says this is a, ca- a film about capitalism front and centre. There's no doubt about that. But it's about more than that, you know, yeah. as well. But Alex Cox, that sounds interesting for me. Yes, it was. It was definitely. I mean, he, he, I, I don't want to divert too much, but Alex Cox did do a great series uh, on the BBC. Uh, I think in the eighties and nineties, called Movie Drome where he introduced films he thought were important, where he'd, mm-hmm. he'd introduced the film for 10 minutes and then we see the film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I was lucky enough, at the time, the BBC, you could write in and um, buy books from the BBC, or like um, almost like magazines, but they were books kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were A4. So if you... I, could, I bought a book that was about the entire run of one season of Movie Drone with Alex Cox's written introductions mm-hmm. in them. It was only like, you know in today's money it'd probably be like uh, five pounds or something mm. but it was quite cheap for that um for what you got and i've still got them i really treasure them uh and he i've got two of them he did two different seasons i think he might have done more than that but i've got two uh so i'm always interested in what alex uh, cox, alex cox could be an interesting theme for another episode yeah definitely i mean i love reaper man um yeah yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah definitely and and his, and his new, new western. Uh, I, I don't know. Walker. Walker, I thought. Yeah, he's got... Uh, yeah, he's got... I've not seen that, but I'm, I'm aware of it. It's the one with so Ed Harris, fun. isn't it? Ed Harris? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Ed Harris and, and some other guys, and, and it's so funny. It's so uh, um, punk. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he is punk for and for. Um, so, anyway, the film opens with these two women... Uh, basically having to kill to eat and dumping down, you know, disposing of the men that they're using for this purpose in, into a big black hole. Now, um, I'm just trying to... Th- the, the, what happens next is a, a man turns up who they know who was the fr- a friend of their missing sunstroke husband. Um, his name's Hatchie, 
Uh, he tells them all about the war, what happened, and basically tells them that their sunstroke husband is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we this becomes apart. From, it turns from a, a pet this pair surviving to a sort of triangle. Let's. I mean, we're going to start getting into spoilers pretty soon. So yeah, uh, let's yeah. just talk about the more general things of the film first and then, and then get into it. What was your thoughts on, uh, let's say, the sound design? Interesting. Interesting. Especially, uh, I think, there's a strange score. It has a, such a kind of uh, jazzy score. I never thought, uh, never saw uh, something like this in a Japanese movie. Uh, yeah, I was wondering if it was the original score from mm. the version I watched, but I, I think it. I'm not sure, uh, but I when I remember first time. In fact, one of the the second watch, it struck me differently. The first time I watched it, I found it quite bombastic, but second mm. watch, I found it like you did. I found it kind of jazzy. There was yeah. bombastic elements with suddenly loud noises, but it did seem quite um, non-traditional. Yeah. <laughs> is, yeah, is how it felt. It doesn't doesn't sound uh, Japanese at all. Yes, um, it, it it was it's interesting. I also uh, talking about things other than the music. I found the other parts of the same yeah. design. You know the the like, the rustling like, grass and stuff was like like, cool. like the, the the scene at the river where uh, the women are uh, cleaning clothes, and those two samurais are at the uh, other. Um, Oh God! Uh, sure. Uh, and the other guys are at the other shore. Yeah. And and jumping into the water, and you hear almost nothing from them because they are so far away. That's very very rare in uh, action movies. Normally you hear every sound, every cling of the swords, and every um, water splashing. And so you hear nothing because you were at the shore of the of the girls, and not on the other side. It was kind of an interesting scene all around, wasn't it? Watching watching these fighting guys coming towards them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was thinking, you guys do not know what you're going to get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're only intent on your, on yourselves. But as soon as you get to this bank, yeah, yeah. you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's kind of fun. Um, it was interesting that they actually just floated those ones down the river. They didn't. Yeah. Um, they didn't take them inland and throw them down the hole. Yeah. I guess at this it was easier. point, uh, it seems they seem to hide the hole from uh, Hachi. Yeah. Uh, there is a very funny scene which made me laugh where Hachi's wandering through and he encounters the hole and he looks down and, mm-hmm. he, and he just mm-hmm. says, I need a woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thought, wow, symbolism, come punch me in the face. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, still not at the Masterberries. <laughs> um, um, okay, I think think should we announce spoilers now uh, and then yeah. we can go i think yeah. if if you've not seen this film there is definitely something to see uh, mm. i would sort of uh, would you would you guys recommend this absolutely. film to others absolutely yeah Eight out of yeah, definitely. yes i i i agree with you dear i'd say eight out of ten myself uh though the first time i watched it i gave it nine, nine out of ten interestingly uh what sort of rating would you give it um, I would say, uh, yeah, I think I'd be an eight um, yeah. as well. Yeah. Okay, so we all rate it reasonably. That's high. great. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so spoilers from this point on. 
so then uh, Hachi sort of starts giving the glad eye to the younger girl. Um, mm-hmm. At this point, mm-hmm. I actually wanted to mention the acting. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the acting was... Uh, it could, if through one set of eyes, you could see it as kind of a bit overblown. But actually, I thought it was really, really good. It really worked well. And I noticed the younger woman seemed to be, it seemed really natural. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that was some superb acting from her. The Hachi character was more like a typical Japanese character. Yes. He has to overact in this situation. Um, he definitely reminded me a lot of um, Tishuro Mifune's um, yeah. character in The Seven Samurai, you know, overblown mm-hmm. and shout, mm-hmm. a bit shouty. Castle and, and, and Rashomon. And, yes, and, indeed, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he, um, but... Uh, Basically, she starts to uh, succumb. the the uh, The older lady starts going on about, you know, he's like a dog looking at a bitch, and you know, there's all an this interesting kind of thing. Before we get into this, um, the first time we see nudity in this movie is when the old lady comes with their uh, fret breast to the uh, to Hachi. Hachi. Oh, was that the first time? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the first time. Yeah. I think the she scariest tries. thing is that you're calling her old and she's like nine years older than me. Yeah. She, she, <laughs> tries, she tries to uh, um, seduce him, I think. Yeah, and she uses some a very old expression. Well, it's not odd, it's just a very obvious expression, which is, I'm not old on the inside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. it's before that, the first time she... Oh, is it? Right. Yeah, yes, um, that's the younger it, girl right. is getting water, I think, from the river. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she just appears as if she's been kind of washing herself, but you think, why, would she, why wouldn't she cover herself up? So obviously, mm-hmm. that leads into mm-hmm. later scenes, but it was a strange... Um, kind of seen because of that for me, like you know, why she just suddenly appear and yes, it uh, basically she's kind of it's kind of she doesn't want the young girl to run off. So some sometimes uh, it appears like she's just trying to seduce him to sort of keep him busy with her so mm-hmm. he doesn't run off with the young girl. But sometimes it's like yeah, she just wants you know a man. She has needs. Yes, uh, so it's kind of, uh, and in, she's kind of denying her, her uh, daughter-in-law these needs, but she, yep. she's got them herself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, there, there, there's there's things that you just do not see in Western films at this time, <laughs> <laughs> or probably in many Eastern films either. Actually, uh, um, you know about the uh, Japanese censorship of of pubic hair and and and. Um, and, and, and penises. <laughs> no, uh, well, I assume it is it. The, Normally, uh, they they blur everything that's uh, below the belt. Oh, okay. You, um, you get um, blurring over um, over the pubic hair in every scene. Normally. Oh, okay. I didn't know and, that. Okay. The Japanese version of Onibaba has this. Oh right. Even uh, breasts uh, uh. got a fleck of, of um, blur over them. So the Japanese never saw the movie in this form like we did. Oh, okay. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Um, it's a very, very sensual kind of film, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And very graphic. Yeah, yeah. I can kind of see why it was popular. Over here in Germany, it was shown back then uh, in in theaters with uh, different roles for men and women. 
Oh, left wow. side women, right side men. I don't think wow. that's ever been done yeah. in this country. That kind of thing's ever been done in this country. I could be wrong. The yeah. only separation I can remember in cinemas is uh, smokers and non-smokers, which is ridiculous yeah. <laughs> in a cinema. If you think about it. Uh, but <laughs> um, yes, um, okay. Um, so we we get a lot of nighttime filming mm. now, don't we? Um, and there is one scene that I, th- I remember when it happened. I thought of you, Rebecca, because I know you're sort of quite fond of animals where they f- they see a dog <laughs> yeah. and uh, they don't say a word to each other. They just immediately start running after the dog. Yeah, uh, and the next really scene, upsetting. we see them eating. <laughs> eating. Like, oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, did you find that upsetting? Yeah, and I tried to find out if the animal, if any animals were hurt while it was being made, but I couldn't see anything. So. <laughs> I think the ones they were eating were definitely Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it always confuses me because I always understand um, Japan's a, a sort of Buddhist country, but you see an awful lot of meat eating, uh, mm. and I thought that was contrary to Buddhist principles. But I, you know, I'm a culturally ig- ignorant of those kinds of things, so um, <laughs> I, I don't know if it was like the upper classes, you know, didn't eat. Me- oh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, um, but it was like I guess you got to live, haven't you? So yeah. yeah. So we, I'm just trying to think. There's, uh, do we get? Is this, is the bit with the tree, the white tree? Uh, it's, it's one. Is it the first time the woman, the older woman, realizes the young girl's going to his yeah, yeah. hut, and she looks in on them. She sees, actually looks in and kind of watches them, and then yeah. Uh, and then them do their thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, and she runs off and finds a big tree. Yes, and what a nice tree. <laughs> yeah. And is it is it raining this? I can't remember. Anyway, she wraps herself around the tree. Yes. She wraps herself around the tree and she reaches up the tree and the camera follows and where she reaches up the tree is a very interesting design. I think. Uh, that eluded me. I didn't notice really? anything specific. I just saw tree stumps. No, no. Be- Definitely, Becky she's saved got me. wood. Basically. <laughs> be- be- Becky saved me here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, she- she's got wood. That's all I can say. You can see, you can see a, a perfect vulva cut out of the tree. Ah. And she gra- grabs into it and uh, the camera pans up. Uh, okay. It's okay. so great and so um, yeah. offensive I think yeah uh, yeah. as I say the symbolism is heavy and obvious yeah. in this film isn't it um, yes so uh, she does not like this but she mm. kind of uses several methods to try and scare her. now I'm trying to remember uh, there's a bit coming out where a, a samurai in a mask turns up uh, but is it before this she starts talking about you know basically bad girls go to hell is the kind of general gist of it, or is it once she's got the mask? I can't re- quite remember. It, it comes comes uh, after the mask, I think. Okay, so the samurai and the mask turns out really scary mask, and one we've mm. seen. You know, it's it's synonymous with this film that mask. Yeah. Um, and she, he's a samurai. It is interesting that in this guy's films, both this film and in um, um, Kurokene, Kuroneku which I've already mentioned, the samurais are pretty tricky characters. They're not kind of the honourable types we see in a lot of Japanese uh, cinema. Mm. They're, they're basically, I don't know. Uh, Assassins. 
Yeah, they're killers, rapists, and yeah, mm-hmm. you know, not honourable men at all. Though this one appears to be kind of honourable, but he's wearing a mask, you know, mm-hmm. which is a bit odd. Uh, and he basically he forces her to show him the way out, doesn't he? She kind of says, mm-hmm. "Go north," you know, it's that way. It's Kyoto's that way. Uh, 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 oh, one thing we haven't mentioned: we haven't mentioned the old guy she goes and sells stuff to. He's a <laughs> he's an obvious obvious uh, symbol of how how profits are made during war, isn't he? He's yeah. that kind of standard. Uh, uh, does he start talking about weird stuff like uh, a, uh, a horse? delivering a calf and and the sun disappearing in is it him or is it the samurai i'm trying to remember oh oh oh, oh. hard questions here. Yeah. <laughs> but there's, there's basically the world's in turmoil yeah uh, it reminds me a lot of when you see uh, it reminded me a bit of the name of the rose well you know the monks they're at the turn of the millennium and they're expecting the world to end and they're telling mm-hmm. talking about um you know all these th- signs of portents of bad times ahead it kind of reminded me that it was that kind of vibe uh yeah, it's like yeah. the world's turned upside down we just got to live how we live uh, yeah, though yeah. there's sometimes some, so some interesting dialogue from uh hachi uh, when he told to, uh, tells the girls uh, about this warlord and this warlord and i was working for this warlord and we got caught and now we are working for this warlord and uh, and It's no problem to kill uh, anybody from any side because it's our job to do this. Yeah, he said it's uh, all the same to me. He said, yeah. and something like that. so interesting and so so dark." Yes, it's like we just we're on an army. We just have to do it, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, and it's interesting. I think he also says that they got surrounded by peasants rather than an mm-hmm. army in the end. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what killed them in the end. Um, um, But anyway, the, this guy in the, the weird mask turns up. He says he's a samurai, and he's a he says he's beautiful or or the the most beautiful yeah. guy she's ever seen. Yeah, uh, but he won't take it off. So uh, she leads him out, but it's, it's a trick, isn't it? She's leading him to the hole, which he jumps over and he falls into. Mm. Um, and then she does something that I definitely wouldn't do. She <laughs> she climbs <laughs> into that hole. Uh, I would definitely never climb into a hole like that unless there's someone else around. Um, but she's uh, she's game. Uh, I'm quite amazed she has the upper body strength to actually climb in and out of a hole, to be honest. I don't think <laughs> Absolutely I'm good. not. Um, <laughs> uh, but he's still alive, isn't he? She, he grabs her, which uh, gives her a really nasty sort of start. Mm. Uh, uh, but she she wants the mask and his stuff, doesn't she? And, mm-hmm. and uh, then she uses the mask to frighten the young girl. Basically, you're going to go to hell if you keep up this. And then uh, she appears, and it's kind of ghostly and spooky, isn't it? The way she sort of ar- arises from the grass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this is where we get into the horror element of this film. So it does take quite a bit of time to get to the pure horror. Mm-hmm. Um, do you consider it a horror film? No, no. For me, it's a drama. Uh, what about you, Rebecca? What? I would say it's definitely an historical drama, but I would say it's kind of um, a fringe psychological horror. You could argue, mm-hmm. but again, that would only be the, um, the the latter scenes because you could argue that there was actually a supernatural element. Yeah, um, um, I did see it when I first saw it as a as a horror from through, and I think that might have been because. Uh, it, I came across it in horror books, you know, talking mm-hmm. about it as a horror film. So I was expecting a, 
a horror film, was primed for a horror film, and thought I was watching a horror film. But uh, as I said, um, I didn't feel like that at all with the second watch. It, it did feel like a drama to me, um, more like a southern goth, you know, a Japanese version of a southern gothic than, than anything else, really. It reminded me a bit of Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte mm-hmm. in its tone and, and stuff, actually. Um, uh, and also, um, a laid diabolic as well because of the mm-hmm. kind of triangle between the two women and um, Hachi and the, the psychological elements of that. To yeah. me, personally, that, that's what kind of came yeah, to mind. Yeah, I think that's an excellent comparison. They would make a good double bill. Perfect yeah. double bill, in fact. wouldn't wonder me a lot if uh, Diabolik is influenced by uh, Onibaba. I think Onibaba was made after, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know, really. <laughs> yeah, uh, I could be wrong there. Um, they were very close, I believe. Yeah. But Yeah. Um, they cover similar themes, though, don't they? Yeah, that's an excellent catch. That is a, it's a very similar sort of uh, theme. One, yes. one has uh, at least influenced the other. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I think that's probably reasonable. Yeah. To say. Now, in the course of her scaring the uh, the younger girl, um, she does it in the rain, uh, yeah. and it turns out the mask somehow shrinks and gets stuck, and then we get the uh, the s- quite horrible scene of, <laughs> of the, her confessing to the younger girl, who's really cross, mm-hmm. uh, and her trying to get the mask off, which involves hitting her face really hard with a. With blunt hell. instruments, which is horrible, and that is probably where it gets its more more close to realistic horror, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, real life horror. Uh, uh, and she's hammering it and, until it cracks, uh, and then we sort of see the mask split, uh, but it doesn't just come off that easily, does it? No, no, no. Um, so it takes her face with her again. I think her face is meant to be like. Uh, based on the dis- the the uh, injuries of victims in in the uh, the uh, atomic explosions in Nagasaki, it looks, in Hiroshima, looks, looks like a radiation burn. Yeah, and in fact, when she took the mask off the samurai, he looked much the same, didn't he? If I remember yeah. rightly. Mm-hmm. Um, so this mask is obviously, you know, radioactive. Yeah, something. <laughs> um, and then we is get it actually re- with. Um, oh, sorry. Go go ahead. Uh, I was just, with, with the mask. It did actually remind me a lot of um, No Theatre, um, mm-hmm. which I believe is also 14th century, and I think this is set in the 1330s because of a particular um, general that Hatchie mentions who was um, alive during that time. But just you were talking before about the exaggerated, in a way, acting, and I think that's very much linked to No Theatre. Or, or I took it to be, yeah, especially when you, you, you take the mask into consideration as well. No, is you know, is quite, uh, I don't understand that much about it, but I do know it's kind of quite exaggerated gestures, quite exaggerated makeup mm-hmm. and facial expressions, uh, and quite stylized movement. Uh, yeah, you could definitely see no. I think you can see no influences in a lot of Japanese cinema of this period, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. It seems to be a thing you know a style uh for this time you can see a bit of it in sort of in some of kurosawa's early films for example yeah uh yes uh, that's a good catch but anyway the mask comes off and it's kind of well while that's happening hachi goes home uh <laughs> and there's a guy uh in his uh 
in his house. Yeah. Now, I was confused the first time I saw this. I thought it might be the samurai from the yes. pit. But I, the second I, time I watched it, it didn't look like him to me. No, I, I thought it was the, the um, lost son. Ah, that never occurred to me. Yeah. He didn't look well. He, but but uh, Hachi uh, looks at him like he knows him from somewhere. Oh, and I think wow. It could, could be the sun, and that would give the movie a whole more darker touch to the end. Yeah, that's a, a really interesting twist that I hadn't um, put together at yeah. all. Did yeah. that occur to you, Rebecca? Yeah, I thought so. Um, I thought otherwise it would just be you know, somebody else that's managed to kind of escape the wall, you know, like you mentioned in that particular kind of grass or marshland, whatever it is that they're hiding and they seem to be the kind of last people on earth that almost feels like with the mm. way that the landscape is shot. Yeah. But, um, I, you know, I thought it could have been him or it could have been um, somebody that's literally washed up and is starving. Mm. Um, but, you know, either way, it, you can you can read it. And I, I like that about it. It's, yeah, it's, what always struck, strikes me about it is it seems so random. Now, if mm. it is the sun, it isn't random. It's kind of a much more deliberate thing. But it just seemed like uh, Hachi just dies and uh, and that's the end of it. And it's like, Yeah, and Whoa. that's a nice kind of um, Shock. reference back to, you know, the kind of um, commentary on capitalism and imperialism that he's escaped this war that he was drafted into and then he's just randomly killed. Mm. And it also makes a ridic- uh, a farce of all the efforts the old ladies. Oh, sorry, I say the old lady, but you know what I mean. The older lady, all the efforts she's been going to. Feeling so much older. <laughs> <laughs> all the efforts there. Problem. I know she is, she really isn't. Um, she um, all the efforts that she's been going to uh, like will put point waste of time because Hatchie was you know going to die anyway, so it. it the younger girl wasn't going to leave her anyway. Uh, but in fact, she's precipitated her own sort of doom in two ways. You know, she's damaged her, herself in, you know, uh, with that mask. But um, she, the the young girl's going to leave anyway for after all that. Um, yeah. So, and then it happens and the mask comes off and uh, she's, she's disfigured by it. Uh, and the younger girl still sees her as a demon. Mm-hmm. In fact, she stops seeing her as a demon while she was wearing the mask, and then now the mask's off, she sees her as a demon still. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have a chase through the uh, through the uh, grass, uh, and then the young girl jumps over the hole, and we see the older lady jump over the hole, and that's the end of the film. Yeah. Uh, ambiguous kind of ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, I presume she didn't fall in, but uh, you know we don't know that for sure. Uh, it's basically everything's to ruin. This is a tragedy, really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know how tragic is it that two murderesses, uh, you know, have come a bit of cropper. It's it's hard to hard to say, really. Uh, I think the only person that really profited in this whole film is the old guy buying yeah. the stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the profiteer. Yeah. He has a great job. <laughs> yeah. and, and the random woman that was lay in his oh, cave yeah, for whatever it was just naked and. Just, that, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely reaping all of the benefits, yes. literally. <laughs> so next time I was a war, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, <laughs> um, a little, a little tidbit about the mask. Um, you know, this mask was uh, the model for uh, Pazuzu in Exorcist. 
Ah, you remember the Pazuzu statue yes, in the beginning of The Exorcist and later on the bed? It does look like this mask, yes. Absolutely, absolutely. And the white face in the... Um, yeah, even in the makeup, I would say. The white face, uh, I don't think so. But oh, I can the, definitely see it. Yeah, I can yeah. see the yeah. is teeth. definitely uh, Onibaba. Yes, yes, I can see that, yes. Uh, um, by the way, has anybody checked the title, Onibaba? Is this the name of the demon or is this... It's, uh, it mean, apparently it means um, demon, demon hag. hag. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Demon hag. Okay. Lovely. Mm. Hag. Put <laughs> nice. this poor lady's called a hag now. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice touch. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> and she's old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, just overall, I, I thought the whole film, it, it, it was a real quality kind of film. It looked really yeah. nice. I think the acting level was really good. The script was decent it it got, kind of played to the archetypes uh hachi seemed to be the most animated character mm. in the whole thing didn't he mm. um though the older lady definitely had her moments too but you know what i think the the younger lady in this actually gave the strongest performance yeah. yes yeah yes, yes. she she just um she just kind of she she was vacant sometimes and sometimes she wasn't. You could sort of see it. And she kind of changed based on who was talking to her and how they were acting around her. Uh, well, she definitely changed when she went to see Hachi, but <laughs> she, she, it was a good performance. I thought it was a really good performance. Uh, and I think that, you know, the fact that there was very little cast, you know, there wasn't much of a cast at all in this, uh, but it really worked well. Um, I did start watching this one with the director's commentary on, but I, it was kind of, I got too engrossed in the film and felt like I was missing stuff, mm -hmm. so I, I turned it off. Uh, it was in Japanese, so, you know, I had to listen to one or the other. Uh, and, mm -hmm. the, you know, I couldn't have both sets of subtitles. Uh, and the, um, the director was saying that they were looking for grass like this and they went to, went to one area where there was a lot of grass like this. And apparently when they got there, there was a, they heard that there was a rumor that it was, there was a she-demon around there uh, <laughs> but when they actually got there it had been cleared for development so it wasn't there at all anymore uh but so but they did find this place uh i didn't listen to much more than that but i think i'm i might watch it with the director's comment i'm kind of interested in this director he's yeah. he's got a lot there's a lot going on there um i would definitely recommend if, if you want to sort of follow up on this watching kuruneku next mm -hmm. uh it's a much more supernatural horror kind of film but it's got a lot of stuff in it that you see in later films involving martial arts and ghosts or vampires and stuff like that uh, interesting about the grass uh, they they choose the grass probably because it looks like the samurai swords ah no that never occurred to me either um, and if you if you see some scenes when the wind is blowing through the grass and, and the, the, um, the leaves are uh, Clanging at at each other, it's, it looks a lot like those samurai movies from back then. Okay, so it could be symbolism of the war, yeah. the constant war. Yeah, I see. And yes. they are in the middle of the war. They are hidden in the war. Yeah, and um, yeah, creating their own life. It's interesting that the old guy was sort of saying, you know, I've got to make money while the war's on. I don't know how long it's going to last. Whereas mm. the women, it was more like. We can't actually get on with life while this war's on. We just have mm. to survive, and we can go back to farming once the war's over. Yeah. Uh, which you know, 
basically they wanted the war to finish so they could go back to a normal life, whereas the old fella wanted it to continue so he could keep profiting. So again, another exactly. of war. As long as he has a lady laying, laying around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, none of that once the war's over. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Um, yeah, I, I did enjoy this film. Though. Well, have you guys got any sort of final thoughts on the, the movie? Yeah, I'm surprised about the amount of nudity in this movie. Even male nudity. I didn't expect such thing from a movie from 1964. Yeah, it was a very sensual kind of movie, yeah. wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. How about you, Becky? I just really liked how, um, like you say, with the kind of elements of Buddhism and things like that and how they talk about um, the afterlife, sin, punishment, mm-hmm. how it really kind of reiterated at the end and through the actions of um, the older woman, how it was all, you know, a human conflict and, um, you know, what they were doing to each other was completely um, not only actually action by humans, but it was all designed, you know, there was no higher power, there was no spiritualism, and supernatural elements until right at the end. And I thought that was an interesting commentary and I don't know whether that was, again, something to do with um, specifically the war or capitalism, imperialism, but I just thought there were a lot of really interesting um, different ideas going on. And I, I fully understand what you're saying about how it seems to be a simpler watch than, say, a Kurosawa film. Um, but there were definitely enough um, bits to kind of keep me engaged. And I'd be interested to see what I thought second time round. Mm. Yeah, I was surprised by Omerettes in the second time round. So I'll be interested to hear what you think if you i'd give it sort of six months uh yeah. and, and then watch mm-hmm. it watch it again um if i and let me know if you do because i might watch it again but this time with the director's commentary only i feel yeah, like i've watched it enough to know exactly what each scene's about now but i'd be interested in what the director's got to say because i'm hoping he'll talk a little about you know what the scene was about it was you know the first bit is all about the setup for the film and what they were looking for and the problems they had in you know finding locations and stuff like that but i'm interested in when he gets into you know this scene was about this but i had mm-hmm. you know this that and the other um i'm kind of interested in that i think i want to see more of this director's work too mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I might explore to see what else he he's kind of done at some point. Um, it was def- definitely. I think your your comment about Lady Deborah League was uh, spot on. The, this film also kind of reminded me of The Beguiled, which is a, you yes. know a southern, a western southern gothic. You know Clint Eastwood uh, in a girls' school uh, and like uh, the, the uh, women uh, uh, become the predatory type. He thinks he rules the roost like Hatchie, but in fact. It's not quite as simple as that. Though uh, Hachi does kind of keep the upper hand to work to the end in this. Um, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, actually, yeah, I think this would also, a triple bull with this lead double and the big R would be something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, we kind of gave our ratings before we got the spoilers, so just to repeat, we, we all thought it was about an 8 out of 10. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I have to just... To repeat again, what I said uh, at that point, um, I gave it a nine out of ten the first time I watched it. I thought it was superb, uh, and I was kind of when I was watching it, I said, "I don't. I, this seems a bit slower than I remember." But it, it's you know, it is literally the same copy I watched because I um, um, I bought it to watch it. So it, uh, I know it's exactly the same, but it just felt different. But I, I think it was because I was expecting it to. Uh, reveal new aspects to me and it didn't 
So I think it was just that. It was just me. my expectations were not set properly, perhaps. We, we, we're getting older. Yeah. <laughs> older and, and riper and wiser. And <laughs> uh, By the way, uh, the movie was cut over here in Germany until 1997 when uh, TV uh, station restored it, finally. With the uh, yeah. with the blurred bits on or without the blurred without bits. the blurred bits oh cool yeah okay mm-hmm. um, that's quite good compared to some of the ones you've told us about it seems <laughs> to be like it was only last year a lot of them <laughs> it's a black and white movie from sixty yeah. four <laughs> yes. um, cool okay um, let's move into we had do have some uh, some input here from An- Anthony uh, concerning Japanese horror so uh, we're going to play that now uh, and then we'll discuss it afterwards. Well, hi, friends. This is Anthony back with more TV Terror. Today, I'd like to tell you about a telefilm based on a story by H.P. Lovecraft. This should prove interesting to fans of the writer because this is a Japanese production of his story, The Shadow Over Innsmouth. あ、もしもし。もしもし。あ、あの、It's not surprising that Lovecraftian horror should have international appeal because it speaks to universal questions about man's place in the cosmos. Still, it's intriguing to find that an adaptation of old HP's oceanic horrors has washed ashore the island nation of Japan, home of that other marine monster, Godzilla. This is not the first evidence of Japan's interest in Lovecraft. His works have provided the basis for literature and video games before. But this version from Cthulhu Mythos writer Chiaki J. Konaka takes the Lovecraft tale and sets it in modern Japan in a made-for-TV movie from 1992. In this retelling, we follow a photojournalist played by Shiro Sano, an actor who you may have seen in Godzilla 2000. His curiosity is aroused after he encounters a man with facial deformities on the streets of Tokyo. The features resemble those of a man he has seen in a photograph taken in Innsmouth. He also digs up a tabloid article about a half-man, half-fish creature found dead on the beach. Intrigued, he persuades his editor to send him to the mysterious fishing village somewhere near Arkham and Dunwich. Those are famous names of towns in Lovecraft's world. The unfriendly bus driver deposits him on the outskirts of town, where our protagonist is warned by an old man to stay away from Innsmouth. Undeterred, 
he makes his way to the town anyway by hitching a ride with a delivery girl from Arkham. After a long journey, he arrives in the town and he grabs a bite at the grungy Fujiyama restaurant in a creepy scene in which we catch a glimpse of the deformed locals and he has served a fish that is still moving. Disgusted, he ups and leaves and goes to the inn where he cajoles the owner to let him stay the night. He then encounters a beautiful woman who he first saw on the bus and who resembles a woman from his dreams. He finds his way to the town museum and makes the acquaintance of the curator who explains that the woman is a young widow. He meets her again and they discuss the water. She explains that she gets her water from the mountain streams because the Innsmouth water is bad. They embrace and she scratches his neck with her fingernail, drawing blood. When he gets back to his hotel room, he finds that it's been rifled through and that his film has been stolen, and he reports this to the police, but they prove unhelpful. As he explores the town, he notes more strange things. It seems like everyone is named Fujiyama, and they perform bizarre ceremonies on the beach. He hides in the shadows one night and takes photos of their pagan rituals performed in a cave, the walls of which are inscribed with hieroglyphics of some kind. He goes back to the museum for answers, and the curator explains that the townsfolk mix Buddhism with the worship of Dagon and sea gods. He further explains that the elders engaged in human sacrifice in return for prosperous fishing and committed their dead to the sea on boats of resurrection to assure their eternal life. His next encounter with the widow turns romantic, but just as they're getting intimate, he sees grotesque faces peeping through the windows, so he leaves. In the street, he's then accosted by an old man with sharp teeth whom he beats to death. The weirdness continues, but the darkest secret he'll uncover concerns himself. There is a reason he was drawn here, and the photos hold the ultimate answers for our hero, challenging everything he believed to be true. By the film's end, he returns to the office to turn in his story. In a wonderful final reveal, the editor flips through the stack of photographs to discover the shocking truth of it all. This moody gem of an adaptation unfolds like a nightmare and evokes a distinct Lovecraftian vibe, a feat that has proven elusive to many filmmakers. And that's the key here. Lovecraft's stories are known for their mood. There's almost like a smell they give off, so to speak and it often is missed by filmmakers, but this one does a good job of capturing what people call that Lovecraftian vibe. Now, this is a bit of a rarity. It was almost thought to be the stuff of rumor, but it's popped up on YouTube in seven parts, and you'll have to forgive what sounds in this review like just a litany of plot points, but the film has no subtitles. I had to rely on some internet sources to help me understand what was going on. So between those sources and my own inferences from watching it, I was able to convey a bit of a narrative, but where it just feels like plot points, it's because I, I'm not always sure what the rationale or motivation is in those moments. But still, it's a great watch, and it's recommended for fans of Lovecraft and Asian horror. So check it out. That's 1992's Japanese version of The Shadow over Innsmouth. Okay, uh, so that was Anthony's feedback. Uh, I personally am a big Lovecraft fan, so I'm kind of mm -hmm. looking forward to talking about this. Um, uh, so, uh, did you guys have a chance to look at this, or um, 
as you said, it's on YouTube, uh, unfortunately without subtitles. Um, did you have a chance to look? Or are you interested in Lovecraft? I would love to see the movie, but not in seven parts and in Japanese without subtitles. Yeah, I need to watch it with subtitles, <laughs> I'm afraid. But um, uh, for me, the, the best Shadow Over Innsmouth uh, movie was Dagon so far. Yeah. This I, thing sounds really interesting. This, um, actually, the original story, I'm a big fan of the original story. It's one of my mm. favorite uh, Lovecraft uh, stories and it's an interesting one because it's one of the few where there's a de- sort of sustained action through part mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. story that doesn't happen in Lovecraft usually um, Dagon translated that really well the film Dagon translated mm-hmm. that really well and it sounds like this film did too and it's interesting that there was a plot point in Dagon that wasn't in the original story that sounds like they lifted wholesale and used in this version, which mm-hmm. is where he dreams of a woman and then he meets her. That was not in the original stories, as far as I can remember, at all. Mm-hmm. And both that plot element and the the structure, the use of it, you know, it was in Dagon, it was the first scene in the film. In in the film Anthony described, in this Japanese version of Shadow of Innsmouth, it sounds like it's the first scene in the film, mm-hmm. uh, and then it comes on later. Uh, it, it sounds like a Japanese version of Dagon, <laughs> like, like you kind of said, it does. Yeah. So it's kind of intriguing from that that point of view. Um, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, Dagon's a great film. I, I kind of, apart from some ropey CGI, it's Christmas. a re- it's a really good film. A really good Lovecraft. It's probably one of the most Lovecraftian films that have been true to Lovecraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's one I'd certainly recommend to you. Rebecca, if you've not seen it, Dagon. Yeah, I agree with everything you say, basically. And I just, I'd love to see it, um, the the Japanese version. But I just same. I just wish that we had the the subtitles. I had did look for it quite heavily because I like Lovecraft. I did look for one, when Anthony first raised this. He talked about it quite a while ago in his TV Terror stuff uh, posts, uh, and I kind of looked for it then. And all I could find was the the sort of one he mentioned this time. Um, uh, but that's a gra- another great um, uh, sort of uh, bit of uh, input from Anthony there. Um, it, sound- it sounds really intriguing. And it is an intriguing story as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and talking of Anthony's input, I-, I forgot to mention in our What We've Been Watching section that I actually watched Helter Skelter based on, uh, on his-, his input last time. Terrific film. It I, really informed me a lot about the Manson family and Charles Manson that I didn't know. I, I just I'd always thought Charles Manson was uh, a racist, uh, just a racist. But there was like uh, his racism was weaved into like a complex worldview. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, complex probably makes it sound more grand. Is a sort of a bizarre, twisted worldview, let's put it that way, um, uh, of where the sort of races sat with what he thought was going to happen towards the end of the world. Uh, so it was kind of uh, interesting to know all that. And I didn't realise how hands-off he was in, in those murders either. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought he was more directly involved than he, it turned out he was. A great great job by the, the main actor too, really convincing as Charles Manson. I didn't think he was over the top at all. I thought he was a bit underplayed actually, uh, and it worked quite well. Uh, so I enjoyed that. Uh, okay, uh, right, so that brings us to feedback. 
Uh, we always encourage listeners to leave feedback. We'd, if you want to leave us any feedback, please email us either you know a written message or an MP, attach an MP3 to the United Nations of Horror at gmail dot com, or leave comments on our Facebook page. Uh, and I'll, I'll, we'll give, I'll give the full address to this at the end of the podcast. Kind of following on from last week when we um, recommended your podcast, Mark. Yeah. Um, we're trying to just kind of create a platform um, to recommend other similar um, podcasts. And this week, we wanted to introduce Dark Discussions. Um, So we'll just play their trailer now, if that's okay. Yeah. Cool. Welcome to Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film fiction and all that's fantastic. A weekly podcast here, the discussion is about the most recent horror and genre films. Intelligent talk on a genre that deserves intelligence. A conversation between co-hosts discussing not only the film, but also the connotation that the directors and screenwriters are trying to articulate. When you want more than a review, listen to Dark Discussions. And speaking of perception, there's just one more scene I want to talk about, which is after Caleb discovers that Kyoto's a robot, Kyoto kind of peels off her skin, showing him what's underneath. Now, wait a minute. I know where you're going with this, but tell me you weren't already thinking this 15 minutes earlier in the film. Exactly what he's thinking at that moment. Which is he's a robot, too. Oh, I considered the possibility. Right, and that's what I like, is the fact that the writers were smart enough to know that this is what the audience would be thinking. We've all seen Blade Runner. <laughs> right. Exactly. www.darkdiscussions.com Wherever podcasts are found. Okay, so um, that was the trailer for Dark Discussions. um, And I came to Horror Etc. initially, which was my introduction to the world of um, horror podcasts. But this was quickly followed by Dark Discussions. And the tagline for the podcast, if you will, is the podcast for the discussion of the horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. And it's co-hosted by Phil, Eric, Mike, and Abe. Um, And the show also um, has special co-hosts on, sometimes such as authors MJ Preston and Christy Peterson-Shinova. And this roundtable format works really well. They have a kind of what we've been watching section also, which covers um, the latest releases and also non-horror films. Each episode focuses usually on a single film, though franchises and special topics such as vampires in literature and film are discussed. And the guys have a great rapport um, the discussion is always engaging and I come away having learned something or thinking about something in a different light from each episode. And they're particularly good at covering um, latest releases, often during their cinematic run. Um, and the the guys encourage feedback from listeners. So all in all, it's definitely one to check out if you haven't already. And you can find them at www.darkdiscussions.com. And just to Add, they also have a sister podcast dedicated to um, Game of Thrones, which is called You Know Nothing, Jon Snow. 
<laughs> nice um, I was just looking at some of their recent episodes. Uh, I mean, the re- most recent one was uh, uh, a year of re- in review for 2015. But recent ones they've also done are uh, they covered the last shift as well. Mm. Yes, uh, which is kind of cool. And they've also recently done Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So <laughs> we're kind of crossing over now and again. Um, yeah. Looking back a bit, we haven't done so much of a crossover, but certainly we they've intersected with the same subjects as us uh, at the UN of Horror um, a few times. Uh, but yeah, I am. I've definitely added that to my uh, ones to listen to, uh, so I'll be looking forward to that. I'm certainly definitely li- gonna uh, looking forward to listen to the Chainsaw Massacre and the Last Shift ones, uh, yeah, just to see where we agree and disagree. Yeah, it's very interesting to compare. <laughs> yes yes um yeah so great yes so um okay um so next week we uh we'll be back and we're gonna this is my next week is mike's pick uh, and we're gonna be discussing demons we may be also doing demons too i'm not sure yet but we're certainly doing demons uh and i think next week dr won't be uh on but we're having Mike, I hope will be on. Uh, I think we're having Matt back, who who we've had on. I think he was on for the Hellraiser show. Was it the Hellraiser show? Yeah. Um. Um. Uh, but uh, we would love to hear uh, your thoughts about Onibaba, demons, or anything horror related. So, uh, please send any message you have, either an MP3 attached or written messages to the United Nations of Horror at gmail.com and check out our website for all our latest podcasts articles and reviews there are articles and reviews going on now uh, at um, united nations of horror.wordpress.com also you please come and join our facebook group uh, and join in there https uh, www.facebook.com slash groups slash un of horror uh, to come and join in with all of us uh, uh, my thanks to uh, Dia and Becky for joining me today and to Anthony for his contribution. As always, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time here at the United Nations of Horror. Auf Wiedersehen. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>